You're listening to The Straight Dope, Episode 4, Establishing a Baseline. Most things I do involve setting a goal, establishing baselines, and then circling back periodically to assess growth. So let's revisit some of the things that I mentioned. I'll talk about them in a little bit more detail and discuss what you might be able to do in the next week or two to establish those baselines for yourself so that we can revisit those and prove that you're growing as a rifleman. Showing yourself with data that you're improving is motivating. We spend a lot of time, money, and emotional energy going out and shooting. It's good to show yourself that you're improving and that your knowledge base is broadening. So the first thing that I think everyone should do is test their fundamentals. Go to riflecraft.com and start logging your targets. Over time, you'll be able to see and quantify the data that you are either improving or stagnating. Identify your weaknesses and be able to target those specifically. Now, the fundamentals that are assessed are the fundamentals that we hear about everywhere. What you can do is isolate your positions, identify the weak points in those positions, Now, I've noticed from looking at the data anecdotally that individual flaws tend to cause an x-axis deviation, goes left or right, up or down. They're linear. Left, right, up, down, you're probably making a single mistake. But when they go diagonal, you're stacking errors. Now, it's hard to tell you exactly what you're doing wrong, but one quick way to identify those errors is to video yourself. You can watch your trigger press, your breath, your natural point of aim, the way your body moves. You can mention out loud where the reticle ended up after the shot was taken. There are a lot of ways to diagnose and look into those. Having a shooting partner, asking a friend, analyzing it yourself, but identifying those weaknesses comes relatively quickly and you can make those fundamental shifts to reduce your craft baseline. In future weeks, I'll look at specific errors, but for now, if you're motivated, that's something that you should be recording and looking at so that you can identify the small things that are causing those deviations in group size. The baseline that you get from doing the craft challenge is what I call the shooter's bracket, the left and right limits of your group such that you know the subtensions that you need to hold to assess whether you've got a guaranteed hit on a target if you do everything right, or whether no matter what you do, there's a chance that your bullet is going to miss the target. Now I say that because there are a lot of other things at play beyond fundamentals that are involved in hitting a target. But when your fundamentals are concerned, you should be able to make an educated guess as to whether you can hit that target if you do everything great. The shooter's bracket is a good trick so that you know that and you can set your expectations. We're developing a way on the craft website so that it will calculate your shooter's bracket for you and all you have to do is go up and measure a target with your reticle. That should be live in about a week. Other baselines that you can establish very quickly are your wind number for your rifle. Now, wind number for your rifle 
is something that you need a ballistic calculator to calculate. And like a lot of things in shooting, it's a trick to give you a quick way to calculate an approximate first wind hold. So how might you calculate the wind number for your gun? Well, open up your ballistic calculator and take out spin drift. When you've taken out spin drift, go to about 600 yards and start adding wind until the wind hold from a 3 o'clock or a 9 o'clock wind is 0.6. If you do that and you go to 700 yards, it's likely 0.7. When you go to 800 yards, it's likely 0.8. When you go to 500 yards, it's 0.5. Now, this is an approximation. It's a trick that people discovered where within a certain parameter of the external ballistics of your rifle and bullet, it lines up. It doesn't line up forever, but there's a zone, and that zone fits into the external ballistic window of your cartridge such that you can figure out what wind speed causes the bullet to drift one hundredth of the amount of mils, right? So if you're at 200 yards, you move the decimal place two spaces to the left, and you've got 0.2, 300 yards, 0.3, 600 yards, 0.6, but it makes a very quick calculation. Now, one of my gas guns is a two-mile-an-hour rifle. It shoots pretty slow. For a two-mile-an-hour wind at 500 yards, I hold 0.5. For a four-mile-an-hour wind, I hold one mil. For a 6-mile-an-hour wind, I hold 1.5 mils. For an 8-mile-an-hour wind at 500 yards, I hold 2 mils. I have a 6-mile-an-hour rifle. At 500 yards in a 6-mile-an-hour wind, I hold 0.5. It takes a little time to get used to this, but if I have a 6-mile-an-hour gun, Shooting 900 yards, the wind is 8 miles an hour. I know 900 for 6 is 0.9. So for 8, 1.2, that's what I'm going to hold. And the more you practice it, the better you get. And you start thinking in miles per hour rather than left edge, right edge. Here in Colorado, the winds can get pretty strong. I went out today to a local match, and we had gusts between 12 and 23 miles an hour. 12 and 23 miles an hour, you can't hold right edge, you can't hold left edge. You're talking about variations that are larger than a mil. So you're off target no matter what, but how much off target really matters. And the multipliers of your rifle allow you to make a miles per hour calculation so that when you switch ranges quickly, you can tell yourself what the range is and what the multiplier for that range is and make very quick wind call adjustments. Um, you know, we shot everything from 250 yards to, to 1450. And this, this tends to work very well. So knowing the wind number of your rifle helps you make 
very accurate wind predictions, but you never know what the wind is going to be doing downrange. And that's why I think Jacob Bynum is famous for the quote or the saying, believe the bullet. If you shoot and you trust that your shot was good, where that bullet impacts, whether it's on the target or off the target, you need to be able to make that adjustment to bring it onto the target and then decide what the wind speed is so that you can carry that over. And most of the time, in a lot of the applications that we're shooting firearms in, you can't make a micro adjustment on a plate. You've got to figure out what the wind speed is to be able to make those calculations. And so it's not just look at your reticle, make a quick adjustment, go. It's make a quick calculation, know the wind speed and the angle, go. So the, the wind number tries to tell you what the full value or perpendicular wind might be, 9 o'clock or 3 o'clock. The wind's not always coming from the right at 3 o'clock or the left at 9 o'clock. It could be a, a, you know anything in between from straight behind you to straight to the side. And um, rather than going into the cosine or the clock angle method, I would encourage you to go um, listen to an Emil Praslik interview where he talks about using a windrose and calculating how you would adjust your wind speed at different angles. On Sniper's Hide, there's some great wind roses that have been produced, and you can print those out and get comfortable. Uh, essentially, if you use a clock method, you've got every 15 degrees, there's a change in the full value of the wind. And once you figure that out, you can convert it to a full value and run that wind number, and it tends to work pretty well. Knowing the wind number of your rifle, though, is a baseline that you should know and should be practicing at least mentally. If you're doing dry fire, you're starting to think, okay, the wind's 12 miles an hour. My gun is whatever it is. You know, let's say it's five miles an hour and I'm shooting 700 yards. Uh, that's 1.6 mils, probably. And you start to work that in. And, and you'll get better and better, and you should be raising your hit percentage with your wind baseline. So you've got your craft number, your shooter bracket, your wind number. I think shooters need to roll in mental preparation, equipment preparation, physical work, and then cater that towards the specific outlets that they have for shooting. Your outlets might be different than mine, and there are a lot of different outlets that people have in shooting. Some of the major ones are people like to hobby shoot. Your hobby shooting probably has a, a, a pattern and a trend, and so think about these applications and how you can improve in that hobby context. A lot of shooters hunt. Think about how you could apply your shooter bracket to a kill zone size to determine the distance that you can shoot at. And then within that distance, think about how you would calculate very quickly your wind number and make a wind call to maintain that shooter bracket and try to scale it so that you could say, 
This is an ethical range that I can hunt in based on my fundamentals. Some people like competition. There are a lot of styles that are popular with competition. Many have their own little quirks. But establishing a baseline for that is a very good idea. So mental preparation is decision-making. If you're hunting, do you need a wind call? Because if you're suppressed and you shoot left or right of the animal, you might be able to get a wind call and not startle that animal. Good wind call gives you a better chance of making an ethical shot. That's decision-making on the clock. Avoiding mental mistakes in styles of competition. Mental mistakes can make or break competitions when the standards are very high in terms of hitting. Keeping your mental mistake game sharp so that you don't make them will improve your shooting. But first you have to start making mistakes to identify where your weaknesses might be. Equipment has been has been and is, is growing as one of the styles within competition like the NRL Hunter or competition dynamics where you've got your gear in your pack and you have to deploy it on the clock. If you don't practice deploying it and getting it adjusted for various terrain, oftentimes you'll run out of time before you can even get a shot off. Now you might think that's not shooting, but in fact, I believe that the mental component and the equipment familiarity knowing your wind number and your shooter bracket, even without firing a single round, it is testing shooting because we're accountable for our rounds. We're trying to be responsible and it's part of the art as a whole. So understanding all of the components in this constellation of shooting, there's much more than just pulling the trigger. I mentioned briefly physical components. You've got to be able to carry your equipment and whatever the application that you use your firearm in, it's a good idea to be able to do that without your heart rate so high that your your thought process and physical ability can't actually perform the task at hand. The Winter Olympics is starting and I've been curious in exploring biathlon, but those shooters are entering a shooting stage where they're going to fire a string of rounds. They get them off in 20 to 25 seconds with a heart rate of 180. Now, that takes a heck of a lot of skill and a great body awareness and physical capability to perform those fundamentals offhand with a heart rate that high. The heart rate's not dropping to resting in the 20 seconds that they're shooting. They're able to understand what's involved in the sport that they're using to do that. Recently, I went to an NRA 22 match and was outshot by a 90-year-old who, out, well, he outshot everyone, but the fundamentals that he had and displayed were from a 70-year history of doing that, and it was remarkable to see him clean the match, and, um, and that showed a remarkable physical knowledge and mental game. He understood wind. He understood his fundamentals, his shooter bracket. He had everything taken care of. And he, he knew how to perform in his particular niche within shooting. 
there are a lot of styles that are very popular. The hunter matches, the competition, the field matches are growing in popularity. But certainly in PRS, it's the same thing. You need to know your splits, your build and break times, uh, and your baselines. For that, you know, with, without making a huge deal about it, I think I've heard uh, four or five of the high-end shooters, they've got their own ranges, and, and they've all said more or less the same thing. Uh, some of it offline, some of it online. You could find interviews with them. But if you're a PRS shooter, I would recommend making a baseline of taking a, a five or six inch target and and putting it out around four or five hundred yards so that you're about one and a quarter, one and a half MOA. And have build and break times with two shots in the 15 to, to 20 second range and and be able to spot your impacts on the plate. So, you know, at, at a high end, those shooters aren't missing more than 90%. And so, so to that, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's not easy by any means. But if you put a, a six inch plate at 400 yards or a five inch plate at 400 yards, and you can build and break two shots from you know various stable positions off of a bag and spot your impacts on the plate such that you can adjust it to the center of the plate it takes a lot of repetitions but they're all doing essentially spins on that and when you get above the 90th percentile you know you're going to be in the top 20 and then it largely comes down to who doesn't come to the match in terms of where you actually rank uh, but but if you if you want to do that style, I think that would probably be the baseline that I would use over anything else. Is you know put a target out four or five hundred yards that's five or six inches wide, and build and break two shots around the fifteen second time hack, and just keep training that until you've got a 90% hit rate. And when you're around a 90% hit rate, you're in that competitive realm. And then it's hard to say uh, where you'll actually shake out because the community is so small that you're going to be somewhere in the top 20. And you could be somewhere in the top three based on uh, the probability of shooters going to match. But really, you know, to, to really... Uh, if, if you're looking for points, then you just look for the matches that people don't show up at. Go to those because you're going to have a higher chance of of, of uh, sc- scoring high because of you know other shooters not showing up. But but um, that that's very very hard to hit 90% in a 15 second time hack with two shots. But if you can do that on a training day for 50 to 100 rounds and you can keep a 90% hit rate, then uh, right now, that's kind of the standard that people are performing at. You, know, you want you you really want to go to a match and hit ninety to ninety five percent of your shots, which which could be very hard to do. But the people that are doing that fine tune niche style of shooting, they're spending a lot of money and a lot of time performing those repetitions on a very specific skill set. Um, and so the the level of performance has gotten very high because it's it's so specific 
Whereas if you go to a hunter or a CD match, you might be shooting a two MOA plate, which is a little bit bigger. So you've got a little bit bigger wind budget. You've got a little bit bigger wobble zone. On the other hand, you've got to find those targets and shoot them. So you've got two to three MOA, but you have to find them and shoot them. And it tests other skills rather than, um, you know, small targets uh, very quickly off of a stable barricade. Uh, But they're all testing different niches, and you want to establish a baseline within how you're going to test it. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about ways to train, but you don't have to do uh, those to to test it. And so I wrote down a little list of some other alternative uh, baseline ways for you to to go test things. And and then some ways to measure your metrics. Uh, One of them is just to know your time uh, unloading your, your equipment from your pack and recording that between build and break, and you can do that dry fire. Um, Have all your stuff up in your pack, deploy it on the clock to standing, deploy it on the clock to kneeling, deploy it on the clock to prone, and just understand what the the time it takes for you to build that position and get down and be able to break the shot because that time is going to matter if you're shooting a stage of a specific length you know that in a, in a let's say it's a four minute stage, if it takes you a minute to build four positions cumulatively, well then you only have three minutes to find and and uh, to find those targets. So uh, you can kind of break down a stage that way in terms of your known um, the known times versus the unknown times and make a game plan like that. So to look back on what I've covered so far in this episode of baselines and to recap a little bit about this because I think that they are all equally as important, equally as valuable to the shooter and they have their place in developing a well-rounded marksman but also a baseline that if you neglect any of these then you will come up short when measured you know, on a... On a on a rifleman assessment, as far as I'm concerned. You need to test your fundamentals. Do that with the craft. You need to know your wind number. I think that's the easiest and most intuitive way to make wind calls. Some people like wind brackets. I'm not going to talk about that. Some people like to know their 10-mile-an-hour wind or their 5-mile-an-hour wind, and they cut that great. But you need to have a wind baseline metric that you can assess your ability then you could say okay when i go out i'm plus or minus three miles an hour awesome now you're going to try to work for plus or minus two miles an hour and as you get better at your wind call you can shoot narrower and narrower targets but that's going to definitely be based on your shooter bracket because your shooter bracket's going to have some inherent width to it So those go hand in hand. You're going to need to play your mental game when you go out. Every mistake that you make, you need to write down so that you know, these are my weaknesses. If I make a mistake that's not fundamental, what is it? And don't make it again 
but every shooter has a weakness on the mental side and making note of that and working on it. You need to understand the time standards and what your equipment is able to do and how to do it. You need to understand your physical capability so that if you have to walk more than you know two steps and drop a bag, uh, how those effects are going to play into your ability to hit targets and then fine tune them towards your particular outlet because although your fundamentals, wind, shooter number, equipment, physical, mental capability, they are all equal. Within the outlet that you perform them in, they might have very specific requirements. And so tune those to the specific requirements that you have. A lot of those can be done relatively cheaply. Now, shooting isn't cheap. Ammo isn't cheap. But online, there are kind of two camps. One says, you know, take a class. The other says, go to a match. Man, both of those are very expensive options. If I think about classes that are available around the country, you're probably going to spend $2,000 to $3,000 with travel, food, ammo, tuition, so on and so forth. And, and you're probably going to spend $1,500 to $2,000 traveling to a match. Depends on the person, depends on the flight, depends on how much they eat, where they stay, the cars that they rent. Um, but, you know, on the high end, you're probably going to go to a two-day match, two- or three-day match, and spend 2000 bucks. And on, on a low end, you're probably going to go to a class and spend 2000 bucks. Which one's right for you kind of comes down to the application that you want. But, but you need to ask who you're taking the class from. Are they reputable? And do they cater towards the outlets that you're interested in? The outlets are very important when picking a class to take. And I can't really help you in that regard. But, you know, if you want to learn fundamentals, I would go to somebody who is trained in fundamentals. Largely, Marines are trained in fundamentals, so going to a scout sniper like Frank Galley, Modern Day Sniper, Max Ordnate, or going down to Rifles Only, you're going to get a really good education on fundamentals. Uh, the Colorado Precision Rifle, going to get a good lesson in fundamentals. If you're a competition shooter, there's competition shooters out there. They're not going to focus on fundamentals, but they'll teach you tricks for specific competitions that'll, you know, either recreating stages before you go to a match so that you basically walk into the match having shot the match already so you know bipod height, um, you know where the targets probably are going to be. And so now all you got to do is get a win number, but with your squad you could probably deduce that pretty well so that you've narrowed out and taken away a lot of the... Um, the other skills so that you can focus on that, you know, 400 yard shoot a plate, see where you hit on the plate and, and go from there so that you can kind of eke towards that 90% thing. But on the other hand, that's, that's 200 bucks. Uh, if you go to a one day match locally, you're going to shoot half the stages of a two day match, but instead of 2000, you're probably going to spend about 200 bucks or less. 
right, for the match fee, gas, and the ammo that you're going to shoot. Um, so that that's um, that's ten percent of of a two day match, and you're going to learn where your strengths and weaknesses are, and your baseline hit percentage. If you keep track of the target size, you know. So the cost benefit of analysis of um, two day match versus a one day match. You know, you, you really can't argue with the value of a one-day match. If you have access to places to shoot prairie dogs, you're probably going to spend even less than that, and you're going to get a very, very serious education on wind calls, finding a target, ranging it, engaging it, gear familiarity. And if you keep a notebook with you and a true uh, hit percentage and why you missed, was it wind, was it something else, uh, you can learn very, very quickly. There are also places where you can hunt year-round, and a lot of times traveling to those places to hunt uh, is more affordable than going to a match because you don't have to pay the match fee. And um, there's a lot of other skills tested. You know, it's I, from my calculations with conversations with hunters that go places year-round to hunt for pigs and, and uh, other species that you can hunt year-round, you're probably going to spend two-thirds of the amount of a two-and-a match for a four-day hunt, and um, you can learn a lot of those specific skills. And so there are ways for you to learn and grow that don't necessarily involve the same price point as a two-day match or a course what you'll leave with the course, though, is a lot of information that you can then take with you. Uh, oftentimes, what you leave from a match is uh, a lot of head scratching and um, not a lot of education. So I would lean towards the course over a two-day match to go learn something because uh, it's questionable what you actually learn until you're ready. And the baselines that you establish before you go are going to be very important to indicate whether you're ready to go and be receptive for that feedback. Now, it's just my two cents on there, but these are ideas for shooters to go out and actually test themselves. And you don't often see that, somebody just saying, hey, this is what I would do. This is the way that I think about it. And because I'm putting out my thoughts and a different perspective on how shooters can improve, I do have some thoughts that are counter the popular belief that um, I do intend for this podcast, though, to be about growing and being able to show quantitatively that you're getting better. And I think that you're going to do that by establishing that baseline and then practicing those specific skills and measuring it somehow. I think you measure it on paper. And then I would say, if you're going to measure it on steel, do something like the PRS primer. Put a target out at four or 500 yards. That's 1.5 MOA. Shoot a lot of rounds from a lot of positions and figure out what your hit percentage is. Now, at first, you're going to have to learn the wind. But once you know the wind, just like at a match, it comes down to can you consistently put rounds on that plate? That's a good hit percentage tracker. And tracking your hit percentage on a static metric like that is a good way to know whether you're improving. But 
you could be wasting a lot of rounds if your shooter bracket is bigger than that standard. But that's a standard that matches like that that I think is a good way for you to determine where you're going to shake out and when your hit percentage um, approaches that 90%, you know, in your simulations, that's probably a good time where, you know, a match like that's right for you, in my opinion. Now, you might go and have fun, and you might not care if you come in last. Well, then knock yourself out, man. I think it's all about fun, personal growth, and for a lot of people, personal growth is just going out and having fun with their friends. I can think of a lot of things where $2,000 would be more fun doing than coming in last. But, um, you know, it's a free country, and this is just a hobby for every single shooter out there unless, you know, they're, they're being there for the industry. There's really no professionals. So um, and no one's being paid to be there. So, um, you know, do whatever you like. I would love to hear back, though, where people's baselines are coming in because I don't have an established, there isn't an established baseline for wind reading other than, you know, is your wind, you know, how, where's your first shot? And that has to be recorded. You know, what was your guess? Where did the bullet go? And how off from your aim point was it? If you guys could record that, if you could record your build and break times, if you could record how long it takes you to deploy on the clock to certain positions and be able to get a shot off on a target that is the size of your shooter's bracket, if you make a list of the mental mistakes that you make and we can categorize those, we could make a really awesome database and that would be a really cool way to revisit and recirculate this because this is a new podcast and this is a new um, episode style that I'm going to try to revisit weekly some of the themes that we talked about that week. If we revisit these baselines and I have feedback from listeners as to what your craft number is, what your shooter bracket is, what your win number is, uh, you know, where your mental mistakes are, what time standards for deploying specific equipment might be, we make a list, then we could say here's where certain times and certain accuracy levels shake out, we might be able to help guide that growth. But on the other hand, for personal growth, and, and, and I do this for myself, I just write where I'm at and I want to be a little bit better next week or in two weeks based on how often you go shooting. You should try to strive towards growth in the metric that you measured. Is my shooter number coming down? Is my wind reading ability the same or better? Is, am I making fewer mental mistakes? Are my build and break times with my equipment stowed or in a realistic simulation of how I'm going to use it? Are those times either getting better or are the positions that I'm de deploying them on getting more complex such that I'm able to adjust faster and make fewer mistakes in terms of equipment handling. Those are metrics that you need to record and keep track of. And that's why establishing a baseline is a fundamental topic that we need to revisit regularly. And if you're not recording those, I guarantee other people are. 
And if you're competitive or you want to perform at the highest level, you have to be recording your progress from where you are, not compared to someone else. So I'll leave it with that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, if you like this, share it. Talk about it. Get more listeners here. I'm not advertising it, so this has got to come from the community of people that think this is helpful in pushing shooting in the direction that they want to see growth, which is why I'm putting it out there. And if you don't like this, I, I do appreciate your time. Thanks for listening.